My name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. Church. My name is Brian. I'm glad that you're joining us. Today our online service is going to be about 25 minutes long, and we are beginning a brand new series called The Truth is Out There. But before I get to that, there's some updates I want to share with you. And last week I told you that our auditorium looked like a disaster. This week it looks totally different in here. We made some really big progress on installing the technical upgrades that will get us to live streaming a service and having in-person services again. And so now we're in the home stretch of just training our teams and working through this together. And so we are getting closer and closer to having in-person services here again while streaming those services to everyone who's at home. And so that's coming up soon. But one of the things I want to encourage you to consider is now that we're back to the yellow level in our health region is to maybe consider launching a house church, even if it's just for a couple weeks of connecting with some people to watch the online service together and then have a conversation about the service and pray with one another. And so I'd like to encourage you to talk with some friends, talk with your spouse, talk about how you could do that safely and do that well. And I want to encourage you to do that because Community is often the piece that we're missing the most right now, and this is a way that we could get a head start on that, of reconnecting and having those relationships even before we can gather here in person. Today we are starting a new series called The Truth is Out There, and this series is all about truth. What is truth? How do we find it? How do we figure out what isn't true? And what do we do with the things that aren't true? And we're diving into this series today and for the next couple of weeks because figuring out what is true and what is not true is getting even more difficult. We are constantly bombarded with fake news, alternative facts, deep fakes. And then there's this whole big piece that when we get our news about what's going on from social media, well, social media is really an echo chamber that is purposely designed to feed back to us what the social media networks think is our own perspectives to help us stay on those sites for longer because that's their goal is for us to keep using social media. And so we live in this world where figuring out what's true is hard. In fact, it often feels like a full-time job on top of everything else we're doing. And some of us have taken the approach of just saying, you know, we want to ignore what's happening. We want to ignore what's happening beyond our little sphere of what's going on because we'd rather just focus on that. And I understand that completely. But this is a topic that really applies to everyone, not just followers of Jesus. Because for any society or group of people to coexist, there needs to be a common foundation, something common that binds us together. And one of those things that helps bind us together is a commitment to what is true to seeing reality the way reality is. And when we're unable to find common truth, our trust in one another starts getting replaced by fear and anger. And our relationships and our interactions with people start breaking down and getting worse. Now, I'm not a sociologist. I'm not a philosopher. I'm a pastor. And so that means that my goal is to point people towards Jesus to help walk with people and help people grow deeper in their faith. That's my role. And so what I want to do is tackle truth from a perspective that relies heavily on faith because that's, that's my background. That's my purpose and that's my role and that's what I want to lead you on because as a pastor, I have a spiritual responsibility to focus on truth. 
Now, one of the topics we're not going to dive into in this series is asking the question, is the Bible true? Because that's a series we've actually tackled a few times before and talked about. And so if that's a topic that interests you, you can head to our website and in our message archives is a series called The Problem of God. Or better yet, you can pick up the book that that series was based on called The Problem of God that was written by a pastor named Mark Clark. But what we're going to do today is we're going to start in the Old Testament and we're going to move kind of chronologically through Scripture looking at what truth is and what's so important about it. And so if we go all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament, to the second book, Exodus, Exodus tells the story of the Israelites leaving captivity in Egypt and becoming a nation. And as they leave captivity, they've never learned how to govern themselves because they've been slaves. They have no structure, no governance, no courts, no really nothing. And so one of the first things that God does is he takes them to Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up the mountain and he meets with God and God gives Moses the law. And the law is this, what's kind of given to them so they can learn how to govern themselves. And at the beginning of this is a passage of scripture that's very common, even if this is your first time encountering anything about Jesus, maybe you've heard of this before even, and that's called the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are the very first things in the portion of the book that is the law. And the Ten Commandments form the building blocks of the Israelite society. And the ninth of these Ten Commandments reads like this. It's from Exodus 20, verse 16. It says, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now, you might notice something in that. that This is actually a double negative. It says, you must not do something that is wrong. Now, there's a problem with phrasing things this way. Saying, just do not lie leaves a lot of gray area that can be exploited. Because if the rule is just don't give false testimony, don't bear false witness, well, what about if it's only half true? What if it's only partially true? Or maybe it's just vague and general and the person you're speaking to doesn't know how to tell if it's true or not. See, as long as it's not a complete lie, this commandment, you can kind of skirt around it and get away with it. Now, I hope you're uncomfortable with that. I hope that this approach to truth makes you feel a little uncomfortable because that's really about exploiting a loophole. And really, the Ten Commandments formed this bare minimum baseline. It was just the starting point of what it meant to be an Israelite and to be part of God's people. Because the Ninth Commandment still makes us ask, well, how do we know if this is false testimony or not? How do we know if this is true or not? when someone speaks and tells something. And you have to remember, this is a pre-literacy culture. There's no paper trail for things. So like, if you think your neighbor stole one of your sheep, you don't have a receipt saying that you bought that sheep. You don't have photographs. You don't have a flock photo of that sheep. You don't have security footage. All you really have in a pre-literacy culture is one person's word against another person's word. Now, there are instructions about that later on in the book of Leviticus, but we're not going to go there today. But to figure out if someone was telling the truth or not, there was a practice that began, and a practice that gets spoken about often throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament a bit, is this practice of a vow. And in ancient Israel, a vow was a solemn promise that invited judgment or punishment if the vow were to be broken. And there's multiple ways that this was kind of talked about. Maybe it would be like, I vow by something or I swear on something. And that something that you swore on or you made a vow by was 
kind of how important that thing was how important you saw your truth to be. In fact, what the vow was made by determined how serious their commitment was to tell the truth or fulfill their promise. But what this created really was there was levels of truthfulness that is seen repeatedly throughout the Old Testament. The more important the thing was that you made this vow on, the more important it was that you were trying to assert that you were telling the truth. And so this got pretty complicated. And we're going to jump ahead to the time of Jesus. We're going to jump ahead to the first century, this time when Jesus has gathered a whole bunch of people on a mountainside, and we call this passage of Scripture the Sermon on the Mount. And it's this long piece of teaching where Jesus addresses almost every area of life. And early on in this message, he says this. He says in Matthew 5, verse 33, and I'm going to read a couple verses here. He says, You have also heard that our ancestors were told, You must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Jesus is saying, don't make vows by these things, because you don't own them. You don't control them. These things all belong to God. And he goes one further. He says, do not even say, by my head, for you can't turn your hair white or black. You don't control your hair color. Now, this was pre-hair dye, so we'll give Jesus that. Jesus is saying, don't make these vows by anything. But here's what Jesus says instead. He says, just a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Another way of putting this is maybe to say, like, let your yes be yes, or your no be no. You don't have to make your vow by anything. Just be truthful. In fact, if we look back at the first two verses of this little chunk, Jesus is contrasting what was happening and what was told to the ancestors. He said, you have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. But I say, do not make any vows. Now, Jesus isn't just trying to contradict the Old Testament law. What Jesus is actually doing here is he is raising the bar. He is raising things from the minimum standard of the Ten Commandments and the minimum standard of their Old Testament law that was there for a purpose and a time, and he is replacing it with a higher standard for his followers. What Jesus is doing is he is calling his followers to live in a way that our words and our actions do not need any further assurance that we are speaking the truth. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. So if something is true, say yes, live it out. If something's not true, say no, I'm not doing that. But what happens when we don't have a yes or a no answer? What happens when our life and the decisions we have to make and the things that we're confronted with and faced with don't fall into these neat little yes and no categories? Now, our decisions and our choices are complex. And so being truthful, letting our yes be yes and our no be no, goes beyond just always speaking the truth. It also means being honest about what we do not know and what we cannot know. So if something is neither yes or no, we need to ask, is this just something I don't know or is this actually something that we cannot know, that we won't know even if we try? And oftentimes these are the things that get us into trouble. When we act like we know when we don't or when we claim that we know when it's something that we can't even know. See, when I started, actually the first job I ever had, and it was the first day of the job I ever had, and my boss told me to go and do something, and I didn't know how to do what he told me to go and do. 
So I just went and I guessed. And it only took about 10 minutes before he realized I didn't have a hot clue what I was supposed to do or how to do it properly. And what I had done in that 10 minute time had to be completely undone. And he showed me what to do. And he just kind of drilled into me in that moment. He says, he said to me, if I'm ever asking you to do something you don't know, you need to tell me and I'll teach you. He didn't have any issue with me not knowing something that I didn't know. He just wanted to teach me. See, when we act like we know is often when we get ourselves in trouble. But then there's the second part, and this is what I want to focus on for a little bit, what we cannot know. Because there are things that we simply won't know. There are things that are beyond what we can even know. And we're going to talk more about how do we know what we know coming up a little later in this series. But I want to use an example that Jesus used to explain this. And we're going to jump ahead to the end of Jesus' ministry, to the last week that he was on earth before his arrest and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And Matthew 24 tells us this. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus gave this long kind of list and description of what's going to happen before the world ends. And I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I'm going to jump to the end. Because at the end of Jesus giving this answer to his disciples privately, here's what he tells them. He says, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, meaning Jesus himself did not know this. Only the Father knows. Now this verse has not stopped hundreds, maybe even thousands of predictions being made about the world coming to an end. And every one of them has been wrong. Every time that someone maybe with, I believe with good intentions has said, well, this is the day when Jesus is going to return. So we got to tell everyone about Jesus before that day. That day has come and gone every single time. And the only result of that is that the person who made that prediction kind of just looks like a fool. See, Christianity has a bad habit of speaking with certainty about things that only God knows. And this is more than just end time stuff, more than just Jesus saying, no one knows and us claiming that we know. This goes beyond that. See, sometimes people claim that a storm or a tragedy is punishment for something. Or sometimes people will claim that God has favored a group or a nation above other groups of people in other nations. And that's completely not true. The Bible, the New Testament, completely voids that. Or sometimes we even declare judgment and condemnation against a person or a group of people. And that's not our place to decide. That's not our role. In fact, when we as followers of Jesus do any of those things, We are putting words in God's mouth that he did not speak. We are speaking with certainty about things that only God knows and only God decides. And in fact, we are trying to put ourselves in the place of God when we do those things. So what Jesus does when he gives this teaching about not making vows, about calling us to truth, about calling us to a higher standard. This is a higher standard that accepts the limits of what we do not know and what we cannot know. Our understanding of truth is finite. We are not infinite the way that God is. 
And so we have to recognize that even as we believe that truth is so deeply important and matters so much to how we interact with one another, how we relate to one another, how we converse about things, how we make decisions, we need to understand that our knowledge does have a limit. And when we go beyond that, we actually teach theology that harms people. And we actually drive people away from God. Because if we want to find truth, we have to live it out in ourselves first. We have to live that truth in who we are if we want to be able to find and see and share that truth with others. Now, one of Jesus' disciples, John, near the end of his life, wrote a couple letters. And one of these letters that he wrote was written to a group of churches that was dealing with false teachers and was dealing with people coming and saying things about Jesus that were just completely not true at all. And churches were splitting and fragmenting over all this false teaching. And we're going to get to that at the end of this series. We're going to talk about false teaching together and how to recognize it, what to do about it. But this is how John summarizes what he wants these churches to do when they find themselves swimming and surrounded by all this uncertainty around what is true and what isn't. This is what John wants them to focus on. He says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Now note the links in this. He says, don't just say that we love each other. We have to show it in our actions. Our actions show that we belong to truth so that we can be confident when we stand before God that we haven't put words in God's mouth. We haven't made claims that go against God's word. We can stand there with confidence that we have followed the truth, that our actions have revealed who God is. Because here's where this really hits the road. Here's where this gets really critical. If we can't live truth in our own lives, why would anyone listen when we tell them about Jesus? If we're not truthful in everything we do, why would anyone bother listening to us when we tell them that Jesus loves them? When we tell someone that Jesus died for them, when we tell them that Jesus came to make a path for them to understand their purpose and their meaning and to be in God's presence and to understand the fulfillment and the joy and the purpose that God has for us, not to mention the eternal hope that God has for us. If we aren't living truth, why would anyone bother listening to us? I hope that's something that we can linger and think about because next week we are going to be diving into a topic all about wisdom. How do we discover wisdom? How do we apply truth to our lives? And what do we do when we find it? And so that's what we're going to dive into next week. So I hope to see you online next Sunday as we continue this series. The truth is out there. Have a great week. I'll see you later. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.